0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What You're Reading. This will be the podcast episode to go alongside the blog post for October seventh. You'll be able to find that, of course, up on the blog. The links for the podcast is right along the top of my menu bar there, so it should be fairly easy, and they will be listed from newest down to oldest, and of course you can find the podcast, like you're probably listening to it, on iTunes and Google Play and uh, Anchor, so find me wherever. As always, before we get into the books that I read for the week, we'll, you know, let's let's have a little bit of a chat, right? That's that's totally what you came here for, not the books, just to hear me randomly ramble. I know better, but uh, appease me anyway, right? <laughs> So, can I just say, I think the most annoying thing in the world, okay, one of the most annoying things in the world, at least, uh, is people who will water their lawns when it is, you know, heading into fall and our lows during the night are below freezing or around freezing. Why are you still watering your lawn, bitch? Why? And especially when it's still on come morning and it's that cold, Um, the water guess what it turns into ice on your lawn but also on the sidewalk and road when you've got it hitting out into those areas and uh, if you're like me who's out walking that early in the morning and you don't notice that there's ice there then you end up slipping and falling on your ass yeah that was a thing that happened so I guess it's definitely fall for sure. Didn't think I'd be slipping and falling on my ass in October when there's no, you know, snow or anything. And it's just because a neighbor decided to water their lawn in the middle of the night and have the water still running at 6 a.m. when it was like 28 degrees. But whatever. My ass is still killing me. You would think with all the extra padding that I've got there that it would, you know, I don't know, take some of that, some of the, the shock impact from the fall. But no, that fat did me absolutely no good. Useless, useless stuff. So, Twitter. I really don't have a whole lot of conversations to talk about this time. Pretty much the only one comes right back to the New York Times again. If you don't recall, the New York Times did a quote-unquote review section by an old white dude who was deciding to tackle the romance genre in the most condescending, mansplaining, just ridiculous bullshit way. And of course... Romance Romancelandia was having none of that shit, and we made it very clear that we were not happy with what the New York Times posted. Well, now it's been a week after that, and the New York Times, or one of the editors there, decided to respond to all of our responses. And basically, the New York Times' response was, We need to shut up, sit down, and just be happy that we got a mention in their lovely publication. That's, that's basically what that stupid response came down to. We just need to shut up and take it and be thankful for it. Guess what, New York Times? We won't, and we're not, and fuck you. Again, I will, and I did this on Twitter, I said this on Twitter originally, I will die on this hill, okay? If you are going to review a genre, in this case, romance, your reviewer should know and read the genre. It is that simple. It is that simple. This is not just someone, you know, that anyone can have an opinion. Anyone can post something on Goodreads or Amazon or Twitter or whatever. He is being paid to review books for a national publication. The person that's in that job should know that job. In this case, they should know the genre that they're supposed to be reviewing, not just be someone walking in and deciding to give a condescending piece of shit article on it. So you know what? I don't care what their little excuse is that anyone can do it and uh, blah, blah, blah. No, it should be a romance reviewer that does it. And there is so many romance readers out there, even within, you know, actual journalists. So find one of them. Okay, New York Times, you want to keep this up? find one of them in their little response the New York Times also tried saying that uh, basically a fan cannot be a good critic to which I have to say fuck you New York Times fuck you and that's basically what uh, that's basically what Romance Landia's response was to this response you know what New York Times if you haven't got it already I don't think you're gonna get it so I wonder what will be their response next week I can't imagine it will be anything good as always I will leave a link to all of this in the blog post. If you want to go read the original article, if you want to go read the New York Times response, if I can find some different threads. There was a ton of awesome threads and discussion going on amongst the romance community. If I can find some of those again, I will link to them as well. Here's the last thing I have to say, you know, because it's been brought up, do we actually need the romance community? Do we need a spot in the New York Times? Do we need them? Here's my answer. No, Uh, we don't. We don't need to be quote-unquote grateful that we are being thrown moldy crumbs. We don't. Full stop. There's no question there. There's no. De- that's not up for debate. You know, look at what we, as a genre, as an industry, as a community, look at what we have accomplished throughout these years without much in the way of mainstream media and outside help. We don't need them. We are a motherfucking powerhouse of awesomeness, and we don't need anyone's condescending bullshit. We've got this covered as it is, so... Bye, bitch. Bye. <sighs> Moving on from all the New York Times bullshit, I will stop. A little recap of some things from the blog for the week. We had the post to go up about ebook pricing, you know, borrow, buy, or bye-bye. That was all Jen's idea. She did an awesome job. All I did literally was throw in like a couple paragraphs of my own book buying. My own book buying means at the bottom of that post, so the entire credit goes to her. That was a great post, and it's put up a whole lot of discussion going on both in the comments and on my social media. So, you know, come join in. What is your book buying like? What is your hard limit for ebook pricing for romances? We're we're specifically talking for ebook romances. You know, we're not going to get into other genres and nonfiction and all that. That's that's not part of this discussion. But, you know, for me, my hard limit and I only maybe spend it once a year at that, is like $5 for a full price ebook. I won't go beyond that. My Kindle is literally full of arcs, obviously as a reviewer, freebies, and like 99 cents, some $1.99. That is kind of where I stick because of my own, you know, very limited budget. But uh, I know a lot of people that say if it's a favorite author, they will occasionally spend that higher price tag for an ebook because the publishers are putting some of those big name, you know, big series books out at 10 12 $15. And it's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. But apparently some readers are paying it. So I think think the publishers will still keep doing that. But anyway, I'll leave a link to that post if you want to come join the discussion on what your buying habits are for books. We had a couple reviews go up this week. We had a Royal Pick review from Pat for Jessica Scott's Catch My Fall, which Pat calls very emotional. This one follows two military veterans who had a fling during their service. They're now back home and trying to tackle, you know, being civilians and, um, I'm sure some PTSD type of stuff going on, as well as, you know, maybe falling in love. I love Jessica Scott's books as well. Uh, I'm behind on her books, which is the story of my life as a reader. So I'm very much looking forward to eventually reading this one as well, but Pat loved it. It'll be going into October's Royal Picks, so check back at the end of the month for a chance to win it, and I will leave a link to the review in this post. We also had a funny Thursday throwback review from Jen for Hedging His Bets by Celia Kyle. I'm just going to say Shapeshifter Hedgehog. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, This one was not a great read for Jen, but she had fun writing this review for you guys, and it's full of some snark and fun lines, so you should go read it, even if you don't shill out almost three bucks for a 69-page novella, which that ties into our discussion on book buying, so check out those links again for the review and back to that book buying post. And the last review that we had was another one from Pat. She reviewed Avery Flynn's latest, The Charmer, giving it four stars and saying that it was just as fun as the first book in this series. I will leave a link to that review as well. Besides those, we also had the usual weekly new release post, the lusting for covers post that I do on Sunday, and the daily book deals. If you do not know, both on the blog and then on my social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr, I post daily deals every single day, usually from like freebies up to $2.99, sometimes $3.99 books. Hide your wallets. I'm sorry in advance, but hey, I'm trying to save you some money while also encouraging you to buy more books. It's kind of my job, though. I mean, it's a pretty awesome job, I'm not going to lie. I'm not at all sorry about it. So hopefully you can check out all those posts on the blog website, which is tbqsbookpalace.com. Find everything that you need there. And that should be it. Should we finally get into what I read? Not going to lie, this week is kind of a lot of blah. A couple of okay books that I liked, and a couple not so much. So, this is going to be probably a little bit ranty. In fact, I know it's going to be ranty for a couple of them. Pull up a chair. So, I read a total of four books for the week. Not too bad. The first one that I finished was the one I was reading last week when I talked to you guys. So, that was His Convenient Husband by Robin Covington, which comes out on Tuesday. No, Monday. comes out on Monday the 9th. I always forget that Entangled comes out on a Monday, not a Tuesday. Okay, it comes out on the 9th. I ended up giving this one, I'm going to say three and a half stars, almost going up to four at times. I'm kind of in that in between, but I think for simplicity's sake, I'm going to say three and a half stars total for this book. We have Isaiah, who is a black pro football player. Can we get just a moment to appreciate that, that there was a football player who is not white in Romancelandia? Because, you know, a white football player in every book you read in Romancelandia, that's totally totally authentic and realistic. Do you catch my sarcasm? No? I'll make it stronger next time. He is a single dad. Uh, He and his late husband adopted Evan, who is in his teens now. Isaiah falls for Victor. Victor is a ballet dancer. He is also possibly gender fluid. You know what? It's really not told, so I'm probably misgendering him. At the very least, he's Gender non conforming in some ways, I suppose. Uh, He's not against wearing makeup a lot. He likes lip gloss. He likes some things on his eyes, eyeliner, whatever. He likes wearing some makeup, you know, likes being a little bit more feminine. He is also originally from Russia. He's currently doing a dance gig here in the US, has been for some years, but that means that he needs a way to stay in the country now that his, you know, visa or whatnot has gone up. He needs to find a way to stay here in the country because. He's been speaking out against all of the shit that that Russia's been doing to the LGBTQ community back home. And he knows that he's not going to have a welcoming, you know, a welcome home mat back for him in Russia. So he needs to find a way to stay in the U.S. And what better way than a marriage to Isaiah? Isaiah is the one that, of course, brings it up originally. They're going to do a marriage of convenience in order to help Victor out. You know, they just figure it's gonna be three years of a fake marriage, and then they'll be done and they can go on on their happy ways. But it's romance yeah, so we know that's not gonna happen exactly like that. So I really loved the setup for this one. I loved the characters. I loved the, you know, marriage convenience aspect of it. I love the cover that we get, finally get a hero of color on the cover itself. That is super rare, uh, especially in big publishing houses. So I'm going to take a moment to appreciate that. It's still not enough, but I'm going to take a moment to appreciate it nonetheless. I liked this one, and I would say overall, I do recommend it. But it wasn't perfect for me, as you can tell by, you know, the three and a half, nearly four star rating. So there was a few minor things that just kind of came up and you know, knocked it down for me. One thing was the way that the sex scenes were written. They were hot. That's not the problem. There was something about the writing or or maybe some, some more editing or revising that needed to be done because they were written in a way that it was sometimes confusing to know which guy was doing what, who was where, whose hand was doing what, like that kind of thing. The structure of the sentences, I suppose, Or who who was doing what to whom wasn't always as clear as it should be. And I spent a lot of the sex scenes actually going back to like reread and figure out who was who and what was what, (laughs) even though they were still hot, I, you know, I shouldn't have to go back and reread a sex scene to figure out what is going on exactly. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like there was something something there in the writing that maybe needed to be smoothed out and revised just just a little bit more. Another thing that kinda kinda stuck with me, not necessarily in a good way, and this will be kind of a spoiler alert, so fair warning. Because this is supposed to be just a marriage of convenience and they're not, you know, really in it to be an actual couple or anything, Isaiah tells Victor quite early on that as long as he's discreet and he doesn't bring anyone back home to their house you know he can go out and sleep with whoever because the two of them are not going to sleep together now that they're married oh no be gone I don't wanna have feelings for you so we're not gonna have sex either you know the drill so anyway Isaiah tells Victor go out do your thing but just be discreet about it and Victor is upset by this you know he thought that maybe they were gonna have something even if it wasn't love that they were gonna have some sort of a relationship during this marriage. So Victor gets angry about this. He goes to a club that night, gets a little bit drunk, almost gets a blowjob from a guy, but then at the last minute pushes him away and goes home. So he's shown up drunk at 2 a.m. and Isaiah finds him. Victor gets angry that Isaiah is questioning why he's been out so late and Victor replies, you know, oh, it was a guy and it was worth it, which is a lie. He didn't do anything, but they're both angry. They're trying to throw things at each other. My problem wasn't so much that 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 happened. My problem was it was never addressed after that. So you go the whole rest of the book and it never comes up again that that was a lie, that Victor did not actually sleep with anyone that night or any other night of their marriage. But Isaiah, because nothing is ever said on page, I am taking it as Isaiah goes through the you know rest of the book and the rest of their eventual happily ever after marriage believing that victor actually did spend those early months sleeping with other guys and i just that bothered me like how could you not bring that up some point in the book that they would have a conversation where You know, Victor would say, hey, remember when I told you that I rolled in at 2 a.m. after I fucked a guy? I lied. You know, I've been completely true to our marriage vows. I love you. But we never get that conversation. And so that stuck with me through to the end because I kept waiting for that to happen. I kept waiting for that conversation to come up and it didn't. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I really think that should have been there for me to fully, fully be happy with their relationship because... It wasn't brought up by the author, it wasn't brought up in the book after that, which to me says that they didn't have maybe the greatest communication skills if this was an actual couple, you know, a real life couple and they didn't talk about this after the fact, then their communication skills are leaving something to be desired there. Kind of the same thing here in the book. I also felt like we only got kind of a glimpse into each of these characters. I I wanted more from them and the ending was way, way too rushed and just left me wanting more. Um, now to be fair this is a category length book so I kind of have to take those last two things with the character depth and development and the rushed ending I kind of have to take that with a grain of salt because it is a category length romance there's only so much space there's only so many pages type of thing but I was still I was just left wanting more from it like I said before despite the kind of unclear sex scene aspect at times I still thought that the chemistry that they had was great they Definitely had some really hot scenes together. There's a shower jerk-off scene from Victor, and Isaiah walks in and kind of watches the rest of it. This was during the time when they're saying, nope, we're not going to sleep together while we're married type of thing. Yeah, that has a lot of tension, good sexual tension going on there. They had some fun in the backseat of the limo. Like, the the heat level is definitely there. Like I said, I just felt like the editing part of the sex scenes could have been a little bit... um, Just the, the editing there could have been a little bit... A little bit better to make the scenes more um, clear. Overall, I really enjoyed this one. I do definitely recommend it. I hope that Covington does some more MM just in general, but I also kind of hope that she's going to do a another one within this this world. I don't think this is set up to be a series that I'm aware of. Like there is this one character, Ian, who is an agent for both guys here, both heroes, and he's also the best friend to Isaiah. And Ian is British and he has some really fun lines and snark and interactions within this book. So I'd like to see him get a book at some point. That would that would be great. I think this is my first Robin Covington book period that I've read. I know I've got at least one or two of hers on my Kindle. I know Pat has read some of her other male-female books before and enjoyed them. So yeah, I'll definitely be back to try some more from her, regardless of whether it's MM or MF or whatever, but this one, this one was good. So check this out when it releases on Monday. Before I get into my next book, a quick little note about entangled books, because I was talking about how I felt like some of the editing on the sex scenes could have been improved upon kind of tying into that I've got a little little story I suppose you know you might want to grab some tea because I've found from entangled books that their books can be kind of hit or miss and by that I mean kind of the editing quality um, as well as like which authors they put a lot of time and money into, and which ones that they just publish and then let them kind of linger in the bottom slash middle list of the for booksellers and whatnot. And I've had this conversation with a couple other readers and some other authors. Anyway, just conversations that I've had, and then what I've personally read over the years, I've just noticed that they they they're kind of hit or miss with the quality of their books. You can pretty easily tell um, with some of the books, which ones had more of the quick and not very thorough editing, like content editing as well. Not, I'm not just talking like grammar and stuff. I, I think that part is more or less, you know, somewhat even throughout. I mean, as much as any, any publisher's books are. Any book is still going to have some mistakes or whatever that slip through. Some things that could have been edited more clearly. But I'm talking more like content editing is kind of hit or miss. So, I ran it about a few entangled books that uh, were more on the miss side of things, I can link to those reviews if you're interested. Man, those ranty reviews were fun to write though. Gosh, I still think of them. I still think of how much I kind of hated those books. I mean, one that I'm thinking of in particular as far as like uneven editing was Kiss of the Irish by Lauren Hawkeye. I will leave the link to that ranty review, but the most glaringly obvious half-assed writing and editing job was in this book because the hero tells us early on in the book you know like in his internal monologue thing that he has a pierced cock and he's thinking well the heroine was uh you know so excited about my nipple piercings wait till she sees what I have down in my cock she's going to be just thoroughly and excited and all about exploring that and I thought okay great I'm I'm here for this and I waited and then we get to the cock reveal you know when she first sees his cock for the first time there's no piercing it's just magically disappeared it's never shows up in the rest of the book it's never mentioned in the rest of the book it's just it's gone he mentioned it early on so that he had one and then it was never there never there I kept waiting Finished that book I had other issues with that book but the biggest issue I had was the fact that we were promised a cock piercing by the hero and then the cock piercing disappeared poof it was gone I found out after I finished that one that a few other reviewers before me had already noticed this and contacted the publisher, Entangled. And the publisher said, well, you know, the author um, is on vacation right now, but we're going to try and get a hold of her, and we're going to work with her to add in the pierced cock to the latter part of the book before it gets published in about two weeks' time. Um, Guys, if you are missing something that big... (laughs) I know, that's what she said. But focus here for a second, okay? Jokes aside, if you're missing something that big in your book after you've written it and read through it, your, I assume, beta readers and critique partners have read through it, and it's been edited and is now in ARC format for reviewers with a release date that is just mere weeks away, that's a big fucking problem. That's not, you know, oops, you misspelled a word here or oops, you've got a comma on this page. And it's not something small like that that got missed. He was missing his entire pierced cock that we were promised on like page 10 or something. And then the rest of the book, it's it's gone. He doesn't have a piercing. That is not just a little minor thing with editing. I still do not understand how the book got all the way to arcs being out to the readers with just literally it was about two weeks before it was going to be published. And they're just now being told by reviewers, hey, where's where's the piercing that we were promised? Oh, we're going to get a hold of the author and we'll add that back in as if it's just something that you can copy and paste back into the middle of a scene. No, that's a that's a pretty big issue with the editing. That always sticks with me. That's kind of what I think of now unfortunately when I see Entangled. I've read some great books from them. I'm I'm not necessarily saying they're a bad publishing house across the board but it sticks with me that that one and a few others that I've came across where it's clear that there was not the proper amount of time and editing that went into the book before it was pushed out. And that's that's a problem. That's a problem they really need to sit down and fix. So Um, I will get off my little soapbox. You can put your tea away. So the next book that I finished, oh, this one is going to be a rant, was my audiobook, again, that I was listening to last week when I was talking to you guys. And that is Just the Sexiest Man Alive by Julie James, narrated by Karen White. I ended up giving this one one star. Buckle up. Okay, so Taylor, our heroine, is an attorney. She's currently in L.A. for a case, but she lives and works in Chicago. Jason is a big movie star. He needs a consultant, in this case, Taylor, because he's going to be doing a new role where he will be a lawyer, and he needs to know what all that takes and and how to make this character come to life and be the most authentic that he can do it. So he goes to Taylor. And she's supposed to give him some pointers. Taylor doesn't do what he's going to be doing in his film. I mean, she's not a—I don't know—she's not a criminal lawyer anyway. Uh, she does sexual harassment cases, but she's not the one defending the victims of those cases. And this is one thing that I had such a problem with her job. This part of her job. Her reason for doing this is to quote weed out the fake cases clogging the system. Um. Who the fuck is she to decide which women are, quote, faking these workplace sexual harassment claims? I I just, you guys, I can't. I can't, okay? This reeks of so much internalized misogyny. Just, oh, that bothered me. That bothered me. I, I didn't care for her character much in general, but I really hated what she was doing as a lawyer. I just hated that. I don't know. You guys tell me, is it just me overreacting or is that just, oh, really, really no. 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 So, you know, I said I didn't really care for her character. I really hated Jason, to be honest. He was just shallow and so full of himself and arrogant and kind of clueless. I thought the world revolved around him. And I mean, I get, you know, I said before that I like when you know, whether it's a, a, a sports person or, you know, a star or whatever, royalty, and the heroine or a hero, if it's an MM or whatnot, where they don't know that person. They don't know that they're famous or whatever. And I like I do like usually that kind of dynamic going on of, you know, oh, they they don't expect anything of me, they're not trying to get anything from me because they actually don't care that I am famous. Like, I usually like that. But here, he repeatedly kept thinking, oh, this is so awesome. She doesn't care that I'm a star. Oh, this is amazing. She just doesn't care. Like, it was just repeated and repeated and repeated, and it bothered me because it just seemed like it wasn't, it didn't come across as, oh, he was surprised that someone didn't care that he was a star. It came across like, um, just kind of like he was, had to bring it back around to him again. The arrogance thing I was talking about, being full of himself. I don't know. It just, it was a turn off for me. And then he was really an ass, and um, actually we'll get to more about that in just a little bit because I've got a whole whole rant about that. But here's the thing. Where's the damn romance? The first kiss in this book is at 72% or so, and it's not even between the hero and the heroine. It's between the heroine and this asshole rival of the heroes. Her and Scott, I believe was his name, of the other actor, they're kind of dating but he's just doing it to try and get back at Jason for, you know, taking roles and fame. And he was completely, totally arrogant and all stuck on himself as well. But seriously, you guys, there's zero romance in this. Zero romance in all of this book. Jason and Taylor don't even get together until one chapter left. One chapter left in the book and they get together. They bang off page. There's no sex in the book. They bang off page. She decides she's going to quit her job to stay there with him. They're going to live happily ever after. He proposes the end. What the actual fuck? No, no. I mentioned that he was a total asshole and I hated him. And this was made even worse during the part of the book where, where Taylor had just had, she'd been in a car wreck she was okay but she did have a concussion and he's supposed to be watching her you know at his place for overnight because nobody else can do it and she didn't want to stay in the hospital so he takes her home and is going to watch over her she of course is tired and falls asleep and is pretty out of it from this the shock and the stress and you know the concussion that she's got he's mad that his inner good guy is keeping him from sleeping with her while she is currently dead asleep and out of it because she just got a fucking concussion. What the actual fuck? Worse than that, right before he says uh, you know, that before her his he he wasn't that great at his morals. Finally got the word. Oh my god, you guys, it's Friday. Um, you know, he he says that his morals weren't that great before her and he had no issue with and I'm quoting here, you guys, taking advantage of helpless women. Julie James, you just wrote a fucking rapist into my romance that's actually not a romance. What the ever-loving fuck. And it's just, it's like written as a throwaway comment, and it's moved on. It's never addressed. Apparently, I've never never—I've never heard issues with this part of the book from readers, uh, so apparently nobody else picked up onto this. I want to know how this got into a book, romance or not, and got through to publish, and nobody seems to think there's an issue with the fact that the hero says that he had no problem with taking advantage of helpless women before. There's no way that you can write that off as just some playboy. That word choice is very much a rapist quote, and I am 2,000% not here for this. So that that pissed me off more than probably anything else in the book. Before that, I was just kind of didn't care about him, didn't care about the story. I was upset there wasn't a romance going on. But then we got that and I just wanted to burn him alive and burn this entire book. (sighs) On top of all that stuff, we've also got some fat shaming that goes on from a, it's about a D-list actor who is a friend to Scott, the asshole rival that I, you know, talked about that was dating Taylor. They are always talking about, oh, he's going to be a D-list actor because he's so chubby and he's always eating and blah blah blah. And I am not here for your fat shaming, even if it's for a minor character or whatever in the book. I'm not here for your fat shaming. Stop it. Here's the thing. This is not a romance novel. I repeat, it is not a romance. And yet everywhere on the retail sites, on Goodreads, on my library site, from readers who are romance readers, who read it and loved it and labeled it as a romance, but it's not a romance. Forgetting the fact of the hero and his rapist ways, this is not a romance when they are not even anywhere together in any way. And I'm not just talking sexually, you guys. When they're not anywhere, shape, or form together in any sort of a budding relationship until the last chapter, and then it's literally admitting that they like each other, going to bang, and getting engaged, and that's the end of the book. That's not a romance. This is not a romance. This is like chick lit or women's fiction. It's not a romance. Like I says, even if I rate this as a book and not as a romance, if I rate it as, you know, chiclet romance fiction and not rating it as a romance, my rating does not change. I'd still give this a big fat fail of a one star because I hated him and his. Ooh, I have no issues taking advantage of helpless women, but I'm going to fight it barely because she's knocked out right now. And that would be wrong, right? Damn it. I want to though. I am not here for that. That's not a romance hero that's not a hero period. On top of that, you know, I just didn't care about either of these two characters. They're both shallow characters as in like development wise, although he was shallow as far as like being arrogant wise. And there's pretty much no real plot or anything to move this forward and hold it together or to give it, you know, something to keep reading, even if there was no romance in it. Like, I just, I hated this book. I hated this book. I hated this book. I have read some others from Julie James before, and I have liked them. And there's like, but this one, no, 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 and no. Word about the narrator, like I've talked about before, I, I'm i starting to like Karen White as a narrator more, but when I first started hearing her, she wasn't a favorite for me. I've come to actually kind of like and get used to her specific you know, voice and performance and stuff. She did okay here, but the biggest thing that kept jumping out at me was her accent for Scott, the, you know, rival actor. He is Australian, and her Australian accent, for some reason, I swear I've listened to her do accents before, but her Australian accent in here was just horrible, and it, it wasn't Australian. I'm not sure what it was trying to be, but it, it wasn't Australian. So, like, even the narration wasn't great. The story was just no, just just no all around. From there, I moved on to a suitable affair by Erica Taylor. Um, this is an older arc that I pulled out of my galley list. This one came out, I want to say, in May or June. So yeah, it's it's been on my list for a long time, but it is out. <sighs> you guys, I ended up giving this one one and a half stars. I told you this week was not a great week for me. So the meet cute for this one is he nearly runs her over with his horse while they're both in the same park. They had some, you know, decent good banter and tension going on, especially in the first, I'd say, chapter or two. I had hope. Like, I even posted about it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm liking it so far. You guys, that hope, it died a slow and painful death, and I'm not even quite sure why. Like, I don't know what happened to turn it from me liking it to... Me not liking it. But uh, it happened. So Ian, our hero here, is ex-army military for Britain back then. Um, He's Or maybe it's current that he's still in the service. Like, things are just so unclear about that. And he works as something, I don't even know, in the home office. That's what they call it, right? The home office? Uh, Spy stuff, but not spy stuff. Because he tells us repeatedly, but he's not a spy. But he's been on this team for like 10 years, doing investigations and things that the bow runners uh, cannot. But the team has no name, which feels like lazy writing to me. Like, you're not going to name this team of men that are doing stuff for the government in secret and have been doing it for a decade, but they don't have a name? Okay. I don't know. I don't know why. But... But they don't have a name. I just, you know, nothing was really explained about this, so I really have no goddamn clue what he or his team were doing exactly. I I have no clue. Um, The plot kind of a suspense, mystery, murder something plot um, surrounding his murdered sister and the connection to dozens of similar murder cases over the years. And oh look, it looks like Susanna, the heroine, appears to be the next target. And so he's trying to find the killer. And Well, he, he knows, or he thinks he knows, there's a twist, who the killer is, um, because it was the guy that was playing, or that was engaged to his sister right before she died. And it's the same guy that's about to propose to Susanna. So, yeah, I don't know, you guys, this was just so damn slow. It was like the book that never ends. Seriously, this was like the book that never ends. I'd be reading for like 40 minutes and I'd only accomplish 3% jump on my Kindle. It was so painful. And I I know what you're saying. Why did you keep going? I don't know. Why do I keep doing this to myself? I should have just DNF'd. But by the time I was seriously thinking of DNFing, I was also like 70% in it. And I figured, no, I should just finish this, see what What happens in the end, I really should have just like flipped to the last couple pages. Again, you guys, I keep torturing myself for no apparent reason. Because it's not like this was even a hate read, you know, where it can be somewhat entertaining in that regards. No, this was just boring and painfully slow. And I just, oh, it was, it was literally like torture and it took me four days. And as slow as it is for like 99% of this entire book, it's so slow. And then the climax and the resolution, and they're happily ever after was all wrapped up in like less than three pages, and then the end. I just, uh, no, no. On top of that, I didn't really connect to these two characters. That didn't help things. Um, if I can't connect to the characters, even if it's a good plot or if the writing's good, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna have that disconnect from it. So that didn't help. It felt like a whole bunch of insta love between them. I didn't really. F- feel or see the romance it's just like they kept and I also didn't get why how they kept running all over like literally in ballrooms and uh, you know this is historical there's rules and you can't just go kissing people and you know propriety is a thing and all this and I mean I know in Romance Landia, our heroines are and historicals are always getting you know obviously getting into things with the hero and whatnot but here it just felt like it was even more blatant it's just like they would be making out and like uh, not just like kissing but like literally like full-on pg-13 making out like right outside the ballroom door and stuff and I just I kept waiting for them to get caught and it just didn't feel it just didn't feel accurate I suppose for lack of a better word like it just didn't fit the setting for historical so I just I also felt like the scenes there would be like entire scenes that were being jumped it almost felt like from one paragraph to another as in like something would be going on And I'd have to literally backtrack because, and I'd only be like two paragraphs backtracking to try and figure out how we got from point A to point B and I still had no idea. It's just, it just felt very jumpy with nothing to segue between these things. And I don't know if that was writing or editing. I don't know if it was maybe me because I was just so not into this book that I was putting nothing into it. But I, I just always felt like scenes were being jumped and I didn't know when it happened and I mean I know I was skimming quite a bit especially towards the end but I wasn't skimming that much to be as kind of off-kilter confused by scenes as I was a lot so there was that and the sex scenes there's a couple like maybe two there's really nothing about them I mean I guess they're not horribly written sex scenes so there's that but they weren't necessarily hot they didn't really stand out for me I, again, I didn't feel a connection to the characters, so that also means that I was less likely to enjoy the sex when it, you know, came along. <laughs> we get the misplaced hymen showing up in here, where he doesn't break her maidenhead until he's about ready to thrust into her cervix or something. So we've got that going on for it, and I don't mean that in a good way. Overall, I, you guys, I just, I really can't recommend this one, uh, especially with the price tag of almost ten dollars. It was nine ninety nine for the ebook uh, that's ridiculous and I just I have nothing to say about this one I really don't have anything I don't even have anything that I could say well maybe you'll like it more than me because I just couldn't see anything about this that would make it worth me trying to say well give it a try if it sounds interesting to you not at that price point I guess maybe if your library somehow has it or something but I just I would say stay clear of this one just just to avoid wasting the money you know, that's hard for me to say. It really is. I think people get the impression that it's easy for a reviewer to say that a book was horrible or that a book isn't worth recommending or whatever. It's really not easy. Like, it's hard for me to say that. But I have to be honest with you guys. I can't just tell you about all the five star reads that I have. I've got to tell you guys about the books that, you know, didn't work for whatever reason, the books that were total fails, the books that were just boring and slow and I've got to tell you about all of those and it's it's not easy but that's that's what I'm here to do so it's nothing against the author it's just I can't say anything about recommending this book to you guys when I had such a painfully slow reading experience with it I just um I'm not necessarily saying that I'm gonna write off Taylor completely you know this was her debut that could factor into a lot of things that I had You know, a lot of things that I brought up that I had problems with. I might keep an eye out for whatever she has coming out next. For me, this one was just, it was a pass. I really should have just DNF'd it, but I made it through. And So the last book, which I finished last night, was uh, Mischief by Tiffany Rice. And I ended up giving that one three stars. So this uh, novella, it's currently free. I think it's going to probably always be free. Um, I will leave a link to it, of course, like all these other books. This one is an erotic novella. And you really need to have read this entire series, the original Sinners series, to get the most out of this novella. That being said, I know that the original Sinners series is really not for everyone. I will explain a little bit more about that when I'm done here. This is a story of Nora, who is a dominatrix. Um, She's also an erotica writer. She's also bisexual. Nico is a winery owner from France. He's also about a decade younger than her and he is her submissive. They take a few days in Salem, Massachusetts to fuck and celebrate Halloween because Nico has never, you know, experienced Halloween in France as a kid or whatever and when asked what he what he envied Americans for kind of that was his answer to her is Halloween and she decides that would be something fun to give him and so that's what she plans for him. Guys, it was quick, it was fun. You know, it was dirty. That's that's really all there is to say. I I don't have a whole lot to say about this. Plus, it's a novella, so I mean, couldn't say a whole lot without just giving you the entire book. There's just there were so many fun quotes. I'll share a link to all of them. I, I share usually share quotes on Twitter as I'm reading, and I will link to that in the blog post. Just as, as an example, at one point he's surprised at her that she's going to eat chocolate while he's inside her, and her reply is all, "It's called multitasking. Listen, women are fucking experts." <laughs> yeah, I know, there's a joke there, Um, at multitasking. So we can take the D and we can eat that chocolate at the same time. Don't you worry, boo. We got it. (laughs) It just, there's a lot of things. I like, that's one thing I like about Rice. Um, Her writing tends to be very funny and snarky and sarcastic, that kind of humor, and I really enjoy it. And we definitely get that here. So why only three stars? Listen, I'm really picky with novellas and with my ratings for them. So, you know, a top novella for me is really probably only going to get, usually, a um, solid four stars because it's it's a novella. You're not getting as much of a story. I'm, I'm always going to be wanting more from a novella, so I can't see myself ever giving something, a novella, five stars. Four stars is like the max, and that's like an amazing novella that, that really gave me a lot. So for me, this one, while it was very fun, it did leave me wanting with the quick drop to an ending and just... I, I liked it because I followed the series, so it was getting, you know, kind of revisiting these two in this little snippet. But it really doesn't add a whole lot to to them or to the overall, you know, series. So between that and the quick ending, this this is a three stars, and that's not a bad thing. It's a novella. It's quick. It was enjoyable, but I just can't really see gone much beyond that. I've found myself lately, if you notice from you know a lot of these not so glowing positive ratings and reviews, that I'm trying to be a lot more careful I suppose with my ratings. I noticed that I was getting to a point where sometimes I would have a rating for a book that didn't always match up to what I was critiquing about the book in my notes or my review. I've had to stop and look at what I'm reading and what I'm saying and then figure out what's the best match for a star rating and sometimes that's easy and very clear right away and sometimes it's not that's just anyone that does reviews like this I mean you just know it sometimes sometimes the rating and the review comes easy other times you're kinda trying to figure out how to pinpoint you know what your feelings are and what your rating is so anyway that's kind of why I mean that's kind of off-topic that's kind of why uh, if you notice a lot lately my my ratings have been I don't want to say necessarily bad it's just that I guess I'm I'm giving out more average ratings and less you know oh my gosh this was amazing ratings but that's also because I've kind of been in a I think I'm nearing a funk you guys in my reading because I feel like it's been a while since I've read something that was really awesome and I'm just keep going through a lot of just okay books I need to need to either find an amazing book or maybe I need to get out of my own personal funk before I can get out of my reading funk that's a whole different story. Anyway, I told you guys I was going to give you a little quick note about the original Sinner series here by Tiffany Rice. First, I guess first and foremost is this, the original Sinner series is not a romance. And I think some people try to say that it is when they're saying why they don't like it or why they won't read it. And I get it. It's kind of confusing because many romance readers obviously are fans of it. The author is very much a romance reader and fan, part of the genre. Uh, or part of the industry. Anyway, it's it's not a romance series. If anything, I suppose you could call it an erotica series, but even then, I don't necessarily think that it fits firmly into just straight erotica. Here's how I always try to explain this series, as like a genre or as just describing it. It's complicated. It's truly complicated. I love it, but it's complicated. I never know where to place it, because it's not a romance, but it has some romance elements to it, and it obviously appeals to some romance readers at least it's kind of erotica and it's you know definitely BDSM but it's more than that and less than that and i just don't know where to put it but it's complicated in fact that's literally a shelf that i've got for all of these the series on my goodreads is well it's complicated um but just i think you have to know going in this is not a romance series it's not going to be for everyone for a number of reasons. You know, it's definitely very kinky and BDSM heavy. Um, There's some backstory elements to some of the characters that people, uh, you know, are not going to want to read about, which is understandable. There's just, I don't know, there's just things about this series that I know are never going to work for, for everyone. And I recommend this series, but I know that I can't just recommend it to everyone because there's a lot of people, even even you know, readers that I talk to all the time on Twitter that we often agree on a lot of books, some of them won't go near this series. They don't like it, and that's fine. And I have no problem with that. I guess what I'm just trying to say, and I'm kind of rambling at this point, because we're almost to the end, um, It's just that I definitely recommend the Original Sinner series. You've got to read them all in order. But you need to know going in, it might not work for you. Like, if you start... Doing a sample or even reading the first book and you know that this is not going to work then the whole series is not going to work so you might as just well you know step away and that's fine and you need to know that it's not a true romance so you know don't don't expect or I don't want to say don't expect because that makes it sound like there's not going to be happily ever after like there's a happily ever after don't worry nobody's nobody's dying or anything like that but it's not going to be your traditional romance and it's not trying to be the author didn't write it as that. It really wasn't marketed as that. I mean, it's from more of the fiction side of the Harlequin, um, you know, publishing division, not so much the romance side. So just, I don't know. All I can keep saying is it's not a romance. It's definitely very kinky. It's going to push boundaries. It's not going to be for everyone. But if it might be something you're interested in trying, I definitely, I recommend the entire series. So I don't know. There's that. If you would like to try Tiffany Rice, but you don't want to go the original Sinner's route, which again, I get it. Um, I do definitely recommend her holiday trilogy that she did with Harlequin Blaze, um, just last year, I believe it was. That one does not have any kinkiness to it. Um, it's definitely a, you know, a traditional category romance, happily ever after and all. You've got book one, which was her Halloween treat. Um, obviously set around Halloween. Book two is set closer to Thanksgiving. I can't remember the title right now. And book three, I also can't remember the title, is set around Christmas. And they all have her typical humor and some good heat to them. No BDSM or kink in them though. And you know, they're definitely romances with happily ever after. So if you haven't tried Tiffany Rice and you're not you're not sold on trying the original Sinner series, then I would try her Harlequin Blaze trilogy instead. And I really hope she does some more like that, um, whether or not it's with, you know, Harlequin Blaze or not. But uh, I would just like to see, you know, some more of those romances from her. Maybe we we'll, we will sometime. But so I am currently reading Beginner's Luck by Kate Claiborne, which comes out October 31st. I just barely started it this morning. I really don't have a whole lot to say about it one way or the other. Um, she is a scientist, I know that for sure, and it looks like this one's going to be dual first POV, um, and my current audiobook is Magic Bites by Alona Andrews, so this is the first book in a very popular urban fantasy series, so again, it's not a romance, there's going to be a romance thread throughout this series, but it's going to be a slow burn, you know, many many readers, romance readers especially, you know, love this series, have been recommending it to me over the years. And I finally just decided to grab it from the library. I was waiting on some holds to come in, which still haven't came in. And the first one was, you know, available on audio, so I grabbed it. I'll probably finish this one in the next day or so. I think I'm about, like, 68% into it. That should be everything, you guys. That was my week. <laughs> As you could tell, it was kind of a not-so-great reading week for me. But So that should be all, you guys. That was my... That was my reading week. So tell me, what are you reading for the weekend? Or what did you read during this past week? Let me know in the comments on the blog. Let me know on Twitter or Tumblr or Facebook or whatever. You can always find the links to all of those social media platforms on the actual blog. I hope you guys have a lovely weekend. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself first. Take care of your family and your loved ones and the people that you consider important in your life. But remember to take care of yourself first, whether that is staying off of social media, whether that is taking some time to read a good book, whether that is, you know, whatever it is, take care of yourself, take care of those that you care about. And uh, until next time, enjoy TBQ.